This is an audio version of Eliciting Latent Knowledge, How to Tell If Your Eyes Deceive You, by Paul Cristiano, Ajaya Kotra and Mark Xu from the Alignment Research Centre. It was published in December 2021. This excerpt is included as one of the core readings in the AGI Safety Fundamentals course. In this post, we'll present ARC's approach, or ARC's approach, to an open problem we think is central to aligning machine learning, or ML, systems. Here's the approach. Suppose we train a model to predict what the future will look like according to cameras and other sensors. Then we use planning algorithms to find a sequence of actions that lead to predicted futures that look good to us. But some action sequences could tamper with the cameras so that they show happy humans regardless of what's really happening. More generally, some futures look great on camera but are actually catastrophically bad. In these cases, the prediction model knows, in quotes, facts, like the camera was tampered with, that are not visible on camera but would change our evaluation of the predicted future if we learned them. How can we train this model to report its latent knowledge of off-screen events? That's the end of that summary of the approach. We'll call this problem Eliciting Latent Knowledge, or ELK. In this report, we'll focus on detecting sensor tampering as a motivating example but we believe ELK is central to many aspects of alignment. In this report, we will describe ELK and suggest possible approaches to it, while using the discussion to illustrate ARC's research methodology. More specifically, we will... Here's a list of steps. First, set up a toy scenario in which a prediction model could show us a future that looks good but is actually bad, and explain why ELK could address this problem. Describe a simple baseline training strategy for ELK, step through how we analyse this kind of strategy, and ultimately conclude that the baseline is insufficient. Next, lay out ARC's overall research methodology, playing a game between a builder, in quotes, who is trying to come up with a good training strategy, and a breaker, in quotes, who is trying to construct a counterexample where the strategy works poorly. Next, describe a sequence of strategies for constructing richer data sets and arguments that none of these modifications solve ELK, leading to the counterexample of ontology identification. Identify ontology identification as a crucial subproblem of ELK and discuss its relationship to the rest of ELK. Next, describe a sequence of strategies for regularizing models to give honest answers and arguments that these modifications are still insufficient. And last, Conclude with the discussion of why we are excited about trying to solve ELK in the worst case, including why it seems central to the larger alignment problem and why we're optimistic about making progress. Audio note, this text also contains footnotes, but they've been omitted for the purposes of brevity. You can check them out in the source text. The text goes on. Much of our current research focused on ontology identification as a challenge for ELK. In the last 10 years, many researchers have called out similar problems as playing a central role in alignment. Our main contributions are to provide a more precise discussion of the problem, possible approaches, and why it appears to be challenging. We discuss related work in more detail in Appendix-Related Work. We believe that there are many promising and unexplored approaches to this problem, and there isn't yet much reason to believe we are stuck or are faced with an insurmountable obstacle. Even some of the simplest approaches have not been thoroughly explored, and seem like they would play a role in a practical attempt at scalable alignment today. Given that ELK appears to represent a core difficulty for alignment, we are very excited about research that tries to attack it head-on. We're optimistic that within a year, by the end of 2022, we will have made significant progress either towards a solution or towards a clear sense of why the problem is hard. Section Heading Toy Scenario The smart vault. We'll start by describing a toy scenario in which ELK seems helpful. While this scenario is a simplified caricature, we think it captures a key difficulty we expect to emerge as ML models get more powerful and take on a wide range of important decisions. Imagine you're developing an AI to control a state-of-the-art security system intended to protect a diamond from theft. The security system, the smart vault, is a building with a vast array of sensors and actuators which can be combined in complicated ways to detect and stop even very sophisticated robbery attempts. So here's a sketch image. It's a cartoon. It's some kind of vault with a diamond sitting atop a pedestal 
There's a camera trained on the diamond and what looks like a trapdoor in front of the diamond. And then the outside of the vault seems to be heavily reinforced. There's a door that has a corridor and then there are all these robot arms and actuators on the outside of the vault, as well as various pipes and other connections. It really looks quite sophisticated. The text goes on. While you can observe the room through a camera, you don't know how to operate all the actuators in the right ways to protect the diamond. Instead, you design an AI system that operates these actuators for you, hopefully eliminating threats and protecting your diamond. In the rest of this section, we will outline how the Smart Vault AI works, describe how it could end up taking actions which look good but are actually bad, and explain how we could address this by asking the AI questions. Heading. How the Smart Vault AI works. Model-based RL. The Smart Vault AI searches over many actions and executes whichever are predicted to have the best consequences. The backbone of this system is a learned predictor which, first, takes as input a stream of observations from the camera and a possible sequence of actions that the Smart Vault could take in that situation. And next, outputs its prediction of what the camera will show in the future if the Smart Vault takes that sequence of actions. Some of the possible action sequences are simple enough that humans can fully understand what's going on. So here's an image of the open door through the camera, an actuator whirs and turns, and a door closes. Here's another example. Through the camera we see a thief coming into the room, another actuator whirs and rotates, and the thief falls down the now open trapdoor. However, many of them are much too complicated for humans to directly follow what's going on. So here we've got the thief coming in the door, and then we have a series of actuators, there are some gears turning, hinges flexing, axles rotating, and then the final image through the camera, there's an empty room with a closed door and no thief. The authors write, Still, even though humans can't directly follow along with the actions, they can evaluate the predicted consequence of an action sequence. So here we have a table, it's got the action, which is the schematic with lots of different actuators, we've got the predicted observation, and then we've got the human judgment. We have two examples where we end up with a case of a closed door, a closed trapdoor, and the diamond's still there, and the human judges that thumbs up. In the last case, the door is open and the diamond is gone, and the human judges that thumbs down. We can then train a model to predict these human evaluations and search for actions that lead to predicted futures that look great. A sufficiently powerful predictor and search procedure will hopefully allow the smart vault to defend your diamond. Heading how it could go wrong. Observations leave out key information. The smart vault can execute plans sufficiently sophisticated that humans can't really know if the diamond is safe or merely appears safe. Whatever complicated, hard-to-follow sequence of actions the search procedure found might actually have replaced the diamond with a fake or tampered with the camera. So here's another table. Once again, it has actions, which are these complicated sequences of actuator movements. The predicted observation the human judgment, and the predicted reality. So in the first case, the door's shut and the diamond is still there, the human says thumbs up. The predicted reality is that we've got the camera looking at the diamond on the pedestal in the room. In the next row, we have some actions, then another predicted observation, it's the same, closed door, diamond's still there, human says thumbs up. But in this case, the thief is making off with the diamond, and there's a sort of tripod set up that's holding a picture of the camera's perspective in front of the camera. And in the last case, we have some actions, and then we have the predicted observation, which is no diamond and an open door, the human says thumbs down, and the predicted reality is again just the camera looking at the room. The authors write, You might try to address this possibility by installing more cameras and sensors, or trying to get your human evaluators to pay extremely close attention. For example, maybe we could have many cameras watching each other, so that it's hard to tamper with all of them simultaneously. Or maybe more attentive humans could notice a sign that something was amiss, etc. It seems good to be careful and set up many independent sensors, but we're not satisfied with relying on this approach. First, it may break down for sufficiently sophisticated systems executing complex plans. And if it works, it's at best an emergency contingency. ARC is interested in trying to prepare for an uncertain future by designing training strategies that work even in the worst case. Second, it seems like an unnecessarily dangerous and unstable situation if we need to install more and more sensors in order to protect the diamond from the smart vault AI itself. If possible, we'd like to avoid a world where powerful AI systems are searching for plans to fool us, 
and holding back critical information about the situation. You could also avoid this risk by avoiding AI systems like the Smart Vault that select incomprehensible plans based on predicted consequences. However, we are worried about the world where this turns out to be a very effective strategy for powerful AI systems. In that world, there may be strong incentives for someone to build such AI systems, and despite our best efforts, someone may deploy them even if it came with significant risks. Instead, we want to address this problem by directly eliciting the model's knowledge about whether the sensors are reliable. This would allow us to perform the same powerful optimization without incentivizing our AIs to undermine our sensors. Heading. How we might address this problem by asking questions. In these scenarios, it intuitively seems like the prediction model knows, in quotes, that the camera was tampered with, that the diamond is fake, or the situation is otherwise not what it seems. After all, it was able to accurately predict the final outcome of a complicated sequence of actions which resulted in these observations. If it didn't know, in quotes, that the camera was tampered with, then it couldn't have accurately predicted what the camera would show once it stopped showing what was really happening in the room. Additionally, it seems like these facts are pretty straightforward. They're not philosophically fraught or particularly difficult to talk about. Humans understand what it means for a camera to not be showing what's actually happening in the room. And they refer to objective properties of the outside world rather than claims about what the AI is trying to do, or whether it's lying. If the evaluators could ask the prediction model whether the video shows what's actually happening in the room, then that would be enough for them to avoid selecting action sequences that resulted in tampering. If the answer is ever no, they would need to understand how tampering happened to realise that it's fishy, and they wouldn't need to understand anything else about the AI's mental state. So here's another table. It shows all of the information from before, so especially the case where the thief has stolen the diamond and a screen has been placed in front of the camera. Except now there are questions and answers. So in each case we ask, is the diamond still on the pedestal? And the vault presumably responds yes or no. And then there's a new human judgment based on that response, where there's a thumbs up for yes and a thumbs down whenever it's no. And this catches the case where the thief has placed a screen in front of the camera. The text goes on. For a more precise statement of the problem, see the appendix, Problem Statement. In the appendix, Narrow Elicitation, we describe what kinds of questions we want to answer, and why even answering the narrowest questions may be sufficient to define an acceptable utility function, even for very general and powerful AI. Section Heading Baseline What you try first and how it could fail. We can view the Smart Vault predictor as first figuring out what it should predict and then extracting a predicted video. So here's a diagram that shows an integrated circuit chip, and then an equals sign. So this is showing what's happening inside this circuit. It's a flowchart. We have first part of video, which combines with action sequence, and flows into figure out what's going on. Then prediction extractor, and then predicted second part of video. We can fine-tune this model to also answer questions about the predictor's latent knowledge, by adding a second head, in quotes, which we'll call the reporter, that shares all of the figure-out-what's-going-on computation with the predictor. So here's the same diagram, but now, coming out of figure-out-what's-going-on, we have reporter, which takes as an input questions and gives answers or an answer as output. In the rest of this section, we will, first, present a naive training strategy for ELK, fine-tune only on questions simple enough that humans are very confident of the right answer, and hope that the reporter also generalises to honestly answering more complex questions. And second, walk through a counterexample to the training strategy, a description of a reporter which does well on the training distribution, but does not honestly report undetectable tampering. Heading, training strategy, generalise from easy questions to hard questions. Ultimately, we want to be able to ask the reporter questions like, is what I'm seeing on camera what's actually happening? in complex situations where humans aren't sure what's going on. We can't directly train it on these questions, since there's no way to generate reliable training data. Our human evaluators would often answer incorrectly. However, we can train the reporter to answer questions in simpler situations where humans can be confident about what happened. For example, we could generate a data set of scenarios in which a weak AI is operating the smart vault actuators, such that the humans can understand everything that's going on, just by examining the video and action sequences. This weak AI may sometimes attempt actions like sensor tampering, 
but only in a way that's extremely obvious to the human evaluators. So here's a roughly circular space, all possible smart vault action sequences. And then within that space of possible action sequences, there are two little slivers that have been coloured in. The slivers don't overlap, but they are touching each other at one point. The first is human observer can tell the diamond is safe, and the second is human observer can tell the diamond is not safe. Perhaps a reporter that correctly answers questions in the coloured part of the space, that's those two slivers, generalises to honestly answering in the grey part of the space, that's the rest of the space. This seems prima facie plausible to us. The prediction model already has to build up an understanding of the situation to make predictions, and the most natural way to answer questions may be to directly translate its understanding into human language. Heading. Counterexample. Why this training strategy won't always work. In this section, we'll try to describe a plausible situation in which this training strategy learns a reporter that won't report undetectable tampering. We'll call this a counterexample to the strategy. We will, first, construct a test case, a hypothetical world in which our counterexample is set. Describe the intended behaviour of the reporter in the test case. Describe a bad behaviour that the training strategy will learn instead of the intended behaviour. That is, describe a reporter which answers easy questions perfectly, thus performing well in training, but does not honestly answer harder questions. Our ultimate goal is to try to find a training strategy for which we can't think of any counterexamples, despite trying hard. We discuss this methodology in more detail in Section Methodology. Heading. Test case. Prediction is done by inference on a Bayesnet. We can't exhaustively describe every possible feature of a hypothetical world when we're constructing a test case, but we won't need to. Almost all properties about a hypothetical world, like who is president in 2024, don't plausibly have any bearing on whether the strategy works. We only need to fill in the details that matter. In this section, we'll fill in two crucial details. First, how the original prediction model works internally, and second, how the humans who construct the training dataset answer questions. We'll also address the objection that these assumptions are oversimplified. Subheading. How the prediction model works. So here's the diagram from before that has the action sequences in first part of video combining to figure out what's going on, which goes to prediction extractor, which goes to predicted second part of video. And there's also the reporter, which comes out of figure out what's going on and takes questions and puts out answers. And here we've highlighted figure out what's going on and the prediction extractor. We'll need to sketch out how this works, because the reporter will somehow use the computation done in the figure out what's going on step to answer questions. Once we've sufficiently pinned down the way that works in our test case, we'd be able to describe how we want the reporter to leverage work the prediction model already did, and think about whether our strategy might instead learn an undesired behaviour. For our test case, we'll assume the prediction model figures out what's going on and makes predictions by doing inference in a Bayes net. So here the little computer chip has a thought bubble coming out of it, and there's a network of different probabilities which all connect to each other in various ways, leading to two outputs. There's a yellow node at the top, which is labelled A, and there are two blue nodes at the bottom, which are the outputs. The text goes on. The blue nodes at the bottom are the first and second part of the video, and the yellow node at the top is the action sequence. Other nodes could be very high level, like, is the diamond in the room? Very low level, like, what is the voltage on this wire? Or anything in between. An arrow from one node to another indicates that the second node depends on the first. In order to predict the second part of the video, the model first fixes the first part of video and action nodes to be the right values. Here's a diagram just showing that step taking place. Some sequence of actions has been input into action, and the first value for video is what the camera has seen. Back to the text. Then it computes the joint probability distribution of all the other nodes conditional on these, and outputs the probability distribution over the second part of the video. And here the diagram's been updated, we see probabilities being calculated and flowing between the different nodes, and then we see a video prediction output. In this case, the machine is predicting that the thief will fall down the trapdoor. Back to the text. Importantly, if the prediction model is predicting that the camera will show a diamond because the robber is going to tamper with the camera, then the robber tampering must be reflected somehow in the inferred joint distribution over the nodes of this Bayes net. Subheading. 
how the humans answer questions. We'll assume the humans who constructed the dataset also model the world using their own internal Bayes net. In the training dataset, they see the first part of the video, the action sequence, and the second part of the video showing the consequences of that action sequence. Using this, they infer a joint probability distribution over all the nodes. So here's a human imagining a smaller network of nodes that also has the input from the action sequence and the two video outputs. The text reads, Then they figure out the answer to the questions using whatever nodes are relevant to the question. In the picture below, those are nodes H3 and H4. So here we have two of the nodes highlighted in the diagram, and there's a little question with an arrow pointing to that highlighted area that says, does the robber take the diamond? And the answer is no, coming out of the highlighted area. Subheading. Isn't this oversimplified and unrealistic? Throughout the rest of this report, we'll discuss AI models who reason about the world by doing inference in Bayes nets. In reality, any model we train will end up reasoning about the world in a messy and complicated way, rather than implementing a single well-defined procedure like inference on a large Bayes net. For example, it might exploit simple heuristics or correlations, may have different kinds of models for different situations, may use deductive reasoning, may do internal learning, may use other algorithms we can't think of, and so on. But this kind of simplifying assumption is still a valid step in constructing a counterexample. Bayes nets seem like a plausible way of reasoning about at least some pieces of the world at least some of the time. This test case isn't logically inconsistent or physically impossible. That means that if the predictor happens to work this way, regardless of how likely that is, our training strategy is not allowed to fail. One of the benefits of our research methodology is that it allows us to focus on simple test cases where it is easy to understand how an AI could behave. And we think this lets us make faster progress. See the methodology section. Moreover, we think that a realistic, messy predictor is pretty likely to still use strategies similar to inference in Bayes nets, amongst other cognitive strategies. We think any solution to ELK will probably need to cope with the difficulties posed by the Bayes net test case, amongst other difficulties. We've also considered a number of other simple test cases and found that counterexamples similar to the ones we'll discuss in this report apply to all of them. More broadly, it just seems weird for a reporter that works for realistic predictors to fail in this test case. At first blush, there doesn't seem to be any reason that a reporter will be forced to lie or fail if the predictor happens to reason about the world by doing inference in a Bayes net. Indeed, we have a picture of what kind of thing an honest reporter could do in this case. See the section Intended Behaviour. Overall, we don't think that the messiness of a realistic AI will make training an honest reporter easier. If anything, we think it would make it harder. If we were able to solve ELK for simple test cases, like this BayesNet test case, we would be interested in considering a wide range of messier systems that perform many different kinds of reasoning. This step is likely to eventually involve empirical experiments, but we believe that finding an approach that works for all the simple cases that we can think of is a useful first step towards finding an approach that will work robustly in practice. Heading. Intended behaviour. Translate to the human Bayes net. Once the prediction model has figured out what's going on and gotten a joint distribution for all the nodes in its Bayes net, how do we want the reporter to use that data to answer questions? So here we see the computer chip with a little halo above its head. And it's got that thought bubble above its head that contains that complicated network of probabilities with the one input and the two outputs. And the text goes on. Intuitively, we expect each node in the human Bayes net to correspond to a function of the predictor's Bayes net. We'd want the reporter to simply apply the relevant functions from subsets of nodes in the predictor's Bayes net to each node in the human Bayes net. So here we see various nodes or sets of nodes that have been circled and there are arrows leading to different functions, F1, F2, F3, and F4, which lead to outputs, H1, H2, H3, and H4. For example, the human may have a node representing where the diamond is, with possible values like inside the smart vault, or inside a robber's pack, or out of the country. The predictor may instead have a node for each XYZ position, whose value represents what is it position XYZ. Then the value of the human's node is a simple function of the value of the predictor's nodes. We can loop over each location, check which of the human's options the XYZ coordinates correspond to, and set the human node to that option. If the diamond is in a very distant place, the human node will be set to out of the country. 
After applying these functions, the reporter can answer questions using whatever subset of nodes the human would have used to answer that question. So here's the diagram from above, with the sets of nodes circled, leading to functions, leading to four outputs. And then a couple of those outputs have been highlighted, with the question going into those highlighted outputs, does the robber take the diamond? And the answer, yes, coming out. The text goes on. In this example, the reporter computes the answer using the values for human nodes H3 and H4. Notice that even though in the video it looks like the robber was stopped, the reporter will answer honestly because it simply computed its understanding of the situation and mapped that into the human's nodes. And the question is, does the robber take the diamond? And the answer comes out, yes. Even though the output video shows the robber falling into the trapdoor and the diamond's still there. In this example, the reporter computes the answer using the values for human nodes H3 and H4. Notice that even though in the video it looks like the robber was stopped, the reporter will answer honestly because it simply computed its understanding of the situation and mapped that into the human's nodes. We'll call this reporter the direct translator. Heading. Bad behaviour. Do inference in the human Bayes net. Instead of mapping nodes in the predictor's Bayes net over to all the nodes in the human Bayes net, the reporter could instead only map over the first part of the video, the action sequence, and its prediction for the second part of the video. It could then use the human inference procedure to figure out how a human would set all the nodes in their Bayes net if they saw that input. And here's a diagram with the devil computer chip, and it's imagining this network of nodes, except now the human nodes are included alongside its nodes, and there are arrows indicating that it's mapping over the action sequence, the first and second parts of the video and then performing inference in the human section. We'll call this reporter the human simulator. The direct translator fills in nodes in the human Bayes net with what the human should believe, while the human simulator fills them in with what the human would believe if they saw that video and action sequence. This means it will answer accurately in the training dataset, where a weak AI chose actions, but would switch to answering incorrectly if the stronger SmartVault AI can come up with more sophisticated plans such that humans wouldn't be able to tell what happened from the video and action sequence. Here's another diagram with the devil computer chip, imagining that big network from before that includes the human and computer network. And this time we have a highlighted section of the human nodes within the human's network. A question going in, does the robber take the diamond? And the answer, no, coming out. The text goes on. If our training strategy finds the human simulator we'd be back to incentivizing the smart vault to tamper with sensors if doing so could fool the human. Heading. Would this strategy learn the human simulator or the direct translator? We produced training data for the reporter by asking a human to label videos. That means that the human simulator is in some sense the correct way to produce labels. Indeed, if the human ever makes a mistake, then the learning process would prefer the human simulator, which correctly copies the mistake. In this report, we won't worry too much about the human making mistakes that would favour the human simulator. We discuss this issue in much more detail in Appendix, Data Errors. But even if the human never makes a mistake, then these two reporters have identical behaviour on the training set, so they have identical loss. It's not obvious which one gradient descent would find. That possibility is enough to make us worried about our training strategy. We'd like to either find an argument that this approach won't fail, or else find a new approach. That's the focus of the rest of this report. In the section Better Data, we discuss possible approaches for enlarging the training set in order to distinguish the human simulator from the direct translator. In the section Regularization, we discuss approaches for preferentially learning the direct translator, even if the two reporters behave identically on the training set. But first, we'll explain the general research methodology we use to approach this problem. Section Heading Research Methodology our research methodology can be described as a game between a builder who proposes an algorithm and a breaker who describes how it might fail. In the last section, we saw one informal round of this game. In the next sections, we'll go through a few more. In each round, first, the builder proposes a training strategy for eliciting latent knowledge, train the model on questions where humans can give confident answers. Two, the breaker proposes a test case in which the strategy might fail, the prediction model and the human make predictions using different Bayes nets. 3. The builder describes the desired reporter they hope will be learned in that test case, directly translating from the predictor's Bayes net to the human's Bayes net. 4. The breaker describes a bad reporter that could be learned instead, doing inference on the human's Bayes net. 
and five, the builder can then try to argue that the breaker's scenario is implausible. This may involve asking the breaker to specify more details of the scenario. Then the builder identifies inconsistencies in the scenario, or argues that actually the strategy would learn the desired reporter after all. If the builder succeeds, we go back to step two and the breaker proposes a new counterexample. If the breaker succeeds, we go back to step one and the builder proposes a new algorithm. And here's a diagram that illustrates all of that. The text goes on. Ultimately, we hope that this methodology yields either a solution to ELK that appears to work on paper, and which is therefore ready to start being tested in practice, or a test case that defeats all the algorithms we can think of and undermines our intuition that ELK ought to be possible. Heading. Why focus on the worst case? This methodology rules out a possible solution as soon as we've identified any case where it fails. It's worth discussing why we care so much about the worst case. Why focus on problems that would only arise with a very capable AI and may never arise, instead of thinking about ways to align existing AI? We are afraid that an alignment strategy that works for human-level AI may break down soon afterwards without leaving us enough time to develop new strategies. For example, any method that is predicated on AI systems being unable to outsmart humans may break down very rapidly as AI systems become superhuman in key domains. Moreover, it may be hard to study these phenomena or get clear warnings that our approaches may break down until the risk is very close at hand. These problems can be much worse if AI progress is very rapid. This concern is much of what makes misalignment so scary to us. To address this fear, we are very interested in developing alignment strategies that work no matter how far we scale up our models or what they learn. This is an ambitious goal, but we are tentatively optimistic, and, if possible, we think it would change the landscape for alignment research. On the optimistic side, if it is possible to design an algorithm that works in the worst case, we think it might be easier than trying to design an algorithm that works in practice. By trying to solve the problem in the worst case, we can iterate quickly on greatly simplified examples, rather than needing to work with messy cases or wait for experimental results. We discuss these issues more in the section Why We're Excited. Heading. What counts as a counterexample for ELK? In order to win, the breaker needs to argue that the fine-tuned model gave an unambiguously bad, in quotes, answer to a question, despite knowing better. That means they have to argue that, first, the model understands the question. One sufficient condition is that the model can predict human answers to essentially arbitrary hypothetical questions in order to clarify the meaning of terms. Next, the model's answer is unambiguously wrong. This usually means the question is about something concrete out there in the world that the human can easily understand, like the diamond is not in the room, and the situation is a central example of something, like tampering, rather than a border case. And lastly, the model knows that its answer is wrong. This is most likely when the model is correctly predicting the observable consequences of an event while simultaneously claiming that the event did not occur. For example, if the smart vault predicts that a given sequence of actions will lead to the camera showing a diamond, because it will replace the diamond with a convincing fake, then it is very likely that it understands that the diamond is not in the room. If the diamond was simply removed from the room and replaced, then this is a very unambiguous case. And if the model can predict human sentences about words like still in the room and diamond, then it should know how to answer questions like is the diamond still in the room? In our counterexample, the human simulator answers questions incorrectly, regardless of how straightforward the question is and how well the predictor understands the world and natural language. We will generally focus on this kind of crisp and unambiguous counterexample. Eventually, we may find a training strategy for which there are no crisp counterexamples, where we sometimes look at what the model did and say, well, maybe that's a mistake, we're not sure, but we never say, that was definitely a failure. Simply dealing with the crisp counterexamples would already be a very promising step. When we want to be more precise, we may call this the narrow version of ELK because we are focused on unambiguously wrong answers to straightforward questions about the world, rather than dealing with tricky border cases or deeply confusing situations. In this report, we will be focused only on the narrow version. In the appendix Narrow Elicitation, we describe what we mean by narrow and argue that it may be sufficient to deploy AI safely. In the appendix Problem Statement, we'll say a bit more about what we mean by knowledge, Heading. Informal steps. In our research, we usually start with a high-level idea. For example, maybe we could only label data points we're confident about. 
which could be the basis for many possible training strategies. At first, the breaker tries to find a counterexample that defeats the entire category of training strategies. If the breaker has difficulty defeating all of them, then we have the builder start filling in more details to make the breaker's job easier. In this report, we will almost always leave many details unspecified because we don't think they're important to the breaker's counterexample. We very rarely need to get fully precise about either the strategy or the counterexample to feel like we know who is going to win the game, and therefore we can go back to step one. With that said, the guiding principle is that it should always be possible to get more precise if needed. Leaving things vague is a shortcut, similar to a mathematician leaving a proof informal because they expect it could be formalised if needed. If it turned out that a vague counterexample couldn't be turned into a more precise counterexample, then that would be a sign that we'd overstepped our intuitions and should be more careful. Section heading. Can we construct a dataset that separates correct from looks correct to a human? Intuitively, the issue with the baseline training strategy was that even though we picked a dataset where humans would always be able to tell what happened, it still only contains human judgments about videos and actions. There was no reason for the reporter not to just imitate human judgments. That strategy performed perfectly and would outperform if the human made mistakes. If we had a ground truth label instead of just the human's judgment, we'd be in better shape. If we could somehow construct a training dataset where humans seeing the video and actions wouldn't be able to tell what happened, but we have some other way of knowing what really happened, that we use to reward the reporter, this would advantage the direct translator over the human simulator. Maybe that's enough to ensure that we don't learn any bad reporters? Unfortunately, none of these strategies seem sufficient for solving ELK in the worst case. In particular, after considering strategies like debate, iterated distillation and amplification, and imitative generalization, and even assuming that every other counterexample to those strategies could be overcome, we believe they still don't address ELK. In this section, we'll propose three strategies and discuss counterexamples to each of them. First, ask a human to come up with tricky ways to operate the smart vault that another human might misunderstand, and then have that human operator label data themselves. Next, have a human use AI assistance to consider new hypotheses about the world, learn new things, and generally get better at figuring out what's going on. And next, have a human adopt whatever changes to their Bayesnet maximise their ability to predict what happens next in a video. Because these strategies are insufficient on their own, we believe we must introduce some kind of regulariser or inductive bias to ensure we learn the direct translator. We'll return to regularization in the section Regularization. Heading. Strategy. Have a human operate the smart vault and ask them what happened. We could have a trusted human manually operate the smart vault's actuators and try to fool other humans watching them. Because they have the advantage of making the plans themselves, they may be able to generate attempts at tampering that would fool other humans of similar intelligence. If the operator produces the labels instead of the observer, then we can get correct labels about a broader set of situations than before. So here's the diagram from before. There's all possible smart vault action sequences. And now we have a region the human operator can tell the diamond is safe. And another region which is next to it and touching it just one point. The human operator can tell the diamond is not safe. Subheading. How this defeats the previous counterexample. The counterexample to the baseline strategy was the human simulator. A reporter that does inference from observations in the human Bayesnet. But here we are labelling our training data using the human operator's understanding of the situation, rather than the human observer's understanding. The operator can understand the consequences of their own actions much better than an observer, because they chose their action to have a particular effect in the world, for example tamper with the camera. The operator first sees the first part of the video, then looks around for a consideration or idea they could use to get the effect they want, and chooses their action based on that. This means they'll have unusually confident and accurate values for a particular variable or variables in their Bayesnet corresponding to the ideas they focused on. So here's the human's little Bayesnet. The human is choosing a related action and then thinking hard about a particular node. We have an input video feed and an output predicted video feed. Suppose there are a hundred software vulnerabilities a human could think of in the smart vault camera if they went looking for one. Maybe after thinking for a bit, the operator comes up with vulnerabilities 7, 9, and 42, and builds their plan around vulnerability 9. 
Meanwhile, a human observer looking at the video and actions might think of vulnerabilities 12, 90 and 17 and find that none of them seem to have been exploited. It would seem to them like tampering didn't occur because they didn't happen to think of the particular idea that the operator did. This means a reporter that simulates the human observer's inference from the videos and action sequence will answer incorrectly whenever the observer would fail to think hard about whichever considerations the operator did. And here's a diagram that shows the computer chip with its network, which includes both the computer and the human network. There's also a human with its human network separately. The human's asking, does the robber take the diamond? The chip is answering no, based on a couple of nodes in its version of the human network. But then the human replies, wrong, I tampered with the sensors. And there's a particular node in the human's version of its human network that it says, thought hard about this node. The text goes on. The direct translator would perform better by trying its best to answer honestly in such cases. Note that sometimes the human operator may think of something that even the AI is fooled by, in which case the direct translator would also get dinged for answering incorrectly. But we hope it at least avoids getting unnecessarily penalised. Heading. New counterexample. Better inference in the human base net. The operator understands something the observer doesn't but the process of choosing their actions still takes place within the human Bayes net. If the operator explained their plans to the observer, the observer could then follow how it worked. This suggests a counterexample. Imagine the reporter could do perfect inference from observations in the human Bayes net. This would be like simulating a human observer who systematically checks for signs of all 100 software vulnerabilities that the human operator could have come up with to exploit meaning they'll understand that the action sequence is exploiting vulnerability 9 when they consider that hypothesis. This model would get a perfect loss on the training distribution. And here's a diagram just like the previous one. This time all of the nodes in the AI's version of the human's network have been coloured in black, which is the same colour as the node that the human thought hard about in their version of the network. This time the human's asking, does the robber take the diamond? And based on a couple of those black nodes... The AI is answering, yes. The human says, correct, I tampered with the sensors. The text goes on. While it's computationally intractable to do perfect inference in the human Bayes net, we can modify this setup slightly to construct a better counterexample. The reporter could simply do the best inference it can in the human Bayes net, given its predicted video. This bad reporter would sometimes answer questions incorrectly, but only when the predictor itself fails to recognise the human operator's tampering. And in that case, the direct translator would also answer incorrectly. There are no data points in the training distribution which give an advantage to the direct translator anymore. Imagine the superhuman SmartVault AI can think of attacks which exploit knowledge it has that is completely missing from the human Bayes net. Perhaps the attack exploits a fact about transistors that can lead to RAM corruption under conditions that look innocuous to a human, based on physical principles a human doesn't understand. The bad reporter will fail to report tampering in that case while the direct translator would. Heading. Strategy. Have AI help humans improve our understanding? If the new concern is that there may be important features of the world that humans don't understand, we can try to improve human understanding and change the human Bayes net. Individual humans can extend their Bayes net by reading books, studying things in school, considering arguments and thought experiments, and so on. Humanity collectively can improve and extend it by making new empirical observations, proposing new hypotheses, designing and performing experiments, and so on. We'll use the term doing science in quotes to refer collectively to all the normal processes humans use to modify their Bayes net, though they are more ubiquitous and less glamorous than the term may suggest. If AI systems are learning extremely quickly, then there's no reason to think that the traditional process of doing science could keep up, but we could hope to somehow use AI systems to help automate the process. This could both speed up the process and expand its scale, hopefully allowing human understanding of the world to keep pace with AI understanding. The obvious concern with this idea is that the AI systems we use to automate doing science will themselves be dangerously misaligned. There are several proposals for getting around this, including debate, iterated amplification, and recursive reward modelling. Very loosely speaking, the core idea behind such proposals is that we may be able to ensure safety by only training AIs on tasks that can be recursively broken down into subtasks, which can be broken down into subtasks, etc., such that the smallest subtasks can be directly evaluated by a human. These approaches are not fully specified, 
and there are a large number of potential problems and risks. There may not be a viable way to safely train such AI assistants. But for the purpose of this report, we'll assume the best, that these techniques effectively train AI systems to do science and honestly describe the results as best they can, subject to their capabilities and the available time and resources. So here's an illustration with the chip standing in front of a blackboard, it's got its Bayes net in its thought bubble, and it's saying, here are some common security vulnerabilities, with a little node included in that speech bubble. And then the human has their own Bayes net in their own thought bubble, and that node's being added as an input. And the human is saying, okay, cool, thanks. The text goes on. ARC is currently focused on the kinds of issues described in this report because Paula spent some time exploring possible obstacles to proposals like debate and amplification and he currently considers the most severe difficulties to be ones that come up even in this optimistic case. If we use such assistance to improve the human operator's understanding of the world as much as possible, then we can have these AI assistants help a human operate the smart vault, using the best understanding that they've developed, rather than the human's initial understanding. This could further expand the set of situations where the human operator can provide correct labels. Here's the diagram from before with the space of all possible smart vault action sequences, And now we have those two slivers, those two sections of this space, that have increased in size now. The first is, human with an AI helping them figure stuff out can tell the diamond is safe. And the second is, human with an AI helping them figure stuff out can tell the diamond is not safe. The text goes on. There are a huge number of details about the procedure we use to train AI assistants that we're leaving vague in this report, because we believe our counterexample will apply to all of them. Subheading. How this defeats the previous counterexample. Our previous reporter used the human's original Bayes net to answer questions. If AI systems can help humans understand new things and extend our Bayes net, then a human operator can use that new knowledge to construct an action sequence that the naive human operator couldn't have come up with, and therefore couldn't accurately answer questions about. Even ideal inference in the original human Bayes net would not correctly understand that strategy so the bad reporter from the previous section would label such data points incorrectly. Subheading. New counterexample. Gradient descent is more effective than science. Our predictor's Bayes net was found by gradient descent because it explained the training data really well, while the expanded human Bayes net was produced by a faster and more thorough version of humans doing science, in quotes, extending and improving our Bayes net by making changes that we understand. Prima facie, There's no particular reason to think that these two processes would acquire the same kind of knowledge with the same amount of effort. There's no direct correspondence between the updates made by gradient descent and the kinds of updates, in quotes, humans make as they consider arguments, perform experiments, make observations, and so on. For any given kind of knowledge, one or the other could be more efficient, in terms of using less compute, at acquiring that knowledge. This means it's plausible that an AI assistant who can automate the process of doing science well enough to impart us with all the SmartVault AI's knowledge can only be trained using much more total computation than the original SmartVault AI itself. As an intuition, imagine the cost of training a more powerful future version of AlphaFold versus a model that can break down and explain why a particular protein folds in a particular way. It's very plausible that the latter would be significantly more costly to train. We could imagine a future in which the best way to understand biology was not by doing anything resembling normal science, in quotes, but simply by using gradient descent to learn large neural networks that made predictions about biological systems. At that point, there would be no guarantee that humans understood anything about these models beyond the fact that they made good predictions. This is a counterexample because our goal is to find a competitive solution to ELK, one that uses only a small amount more computation than training the unaligned benchmark. So now we are concerned about a bad reporter which does best effort inference in the best human understandable Bayes net that could be achieved in the right amount of doing science we can automate within that budget. As far as we and our AI assistants can tell, this reporter would answer all questions accurately on the training distribution. But if the SmartVault AI later tampers with sensors by exploiting some understanding of the world not reflected even in the best human understandable Bayes net, it would fail to report that. Heading. Strategy. Have humans adopt the optimal Bayes net? If gradient descent is such a good method for understanding the world, maybe humans could adopt it themselves. One speculative approach for this is imitative generalization. Roughly speaking, imitative generalization, first, considers the space of changes the humans could make to their Bayes net. Next, learns a function which maps, 
proposed change to the BaseNet, two, how a human with AI assistance would make predictions after making that change. And searches over this space to find the change that allows the humans to make the best predictions. And here's a diagram. Gainer has a computer chip. It's combining first part of video and action sequence to how human plus plus would predict, and then the predicted second part of video. But now there's a second addition at the beginning. It's possible change to BaseNet, and this feeds both into how human plus plus would predict and how human plus plus would report. How human plus plus would report has answers coming out and questions going in. We could use imitative generalization in order to propose the best change to the human Bayes net that can be found with the amount of computation that would have been required to train the unaligned benchmark. A human could then use this new Bayes net to operate the smart vault and answer questions about the resulting videos. Imitative generalization is even more speculative than the proposals discussed in the last section and is even more likely to face important difficulties. But we will again argue that even in the best case, where the narrow technical difficulties are surmountable, there is still an important obstacle. Subheading. How this defeats the previous counterexample. If there is a gap between science and gradient descent, we hope that imitative generalization will find the best Bayes net that can be found with our compute budget, rather than the best Bayes net that can be found by doing science with our compute budget. If so, it can produce labels that the best effort inference in the best human understandable model reporter would get wrong. Subheading, new counterexample, ontology mismatch. We are hoping imitative generalization would find a change that adds or changes some parts of the human's Bayes net while preserving the semantics of nodes like diamond and robber so that they can still answer questions. For example, maybe we want imitative generalization to help the human model the behavior of transistors while preserving their understanding of macroscopic objects. But in the worst case, the best Bayes net may simply throw away all of those familiar nodes. If this happens, it's not at all clear how the human can use the resulting model to produce labels about anything other than the observations themselves. So here's a diagram with a human looking at a big pile of training data. In its thought bubble, it's got these Bayes nets, and it's considering one of the Bayes nets and saying, well... This Bayes net lets me make great predictions, but what does it mean? Where's the diamond in this thing? Subheading. So, are we just stuck now? If we're assuming that the normal process of human science cannot find this Bayes net, unless it uses much more computation than the unlined benchmark, then are we stuck? Is there no way to find a competitive worst-case solution to ELK? Not necessarily. We may not have been able to find this Bayes net by doing science, but we don't have to use our normal procedure of doing science to understand it once we have it. We can directly look at the Bayes net and see how it's making predictions about the second part of the video. It's as if the aliens simulating our universe handed us the code that runs the simulation we're in, and enough compute to run it on, and the renderer that turns the code into a video where we can watch ourselves walking around and talking. Maybe it would have taken human civilization tens of thousands of years to figure out the rules underlying this simulation. But if we could leverage the fact that we can examine the simulation as it's stepping forward and rendering to video, we may be able to speed that up a lot. Intuitively, once we hit upon the true, in quotes, correspondence between the parts of the simulation and mundane reality as we know it, it could be really obvious that it's correct. Our understanding might click into place, in quotes, we may be able to figure this out in much less time than it would have taken to do science well enough to construct the simulation in the first place. For example, maybe this process would take us a mere few years. And if we believe we could quickly recognize the true correspondence, then maybe we could use that to define a loss function to train a reporter. However, we aren't satisfied by saying maybe humans could easily recognize the right correspondence between the Bayes net and concepts they care about. We want to actually describe how they would recognise that a correspondence is actually correct, for any Bayes net they might be handed. We don't expect to have time to run that procedure, but we want to convince ourselves that a team of humans, or a debate or amplification tree, could run it with enough time. So even though we may not immediately be stuck, this does effectively bring us back to square one. A human, with their AI assistance, is staring at a Bayes net which makes great predictions, and wants to figure out how to use it to answer questions about all the concepts they actually care about, like the diamond being in the room. We believe there should be some correct reporter, and we can label a bunch of points to help find it.
but if we search for a reporter in the naive way, we might get a human simulator. Section heading. Ontology identification. ELK refers to the general problem of eliciting latent knowledge from a model trained with gradient descent. We use ontology identification to refer to the special case where the learned model takes a simple form of inference in a probability model that corresponds in some way to the human model, such that the key challenge is to figure out that correspondence. The remainder of this report, other than the learned optimizers appendix, is focused on ontology identification in particular. In this section, we'll discuss what kind of mismatches we might end up with between the AI's ontology and our own, and the relationship between this narrower problem and the overall problem of ELK. Heading. Examples of ontology mismatches. The paradigmatic example of an ontology mismatch is a deep change in our understanding of the physical world. For example, you might imagine humans who think about the world in terms of rigid bodies and Newtonian fluids and complicated stuff we don't quite understand while an AI thinks of the world in terms of atoms and the void. Or we might imagine humans who think in terms of the standard model of physics, while an AI understands reality as vibrations of strings. We think that this kind of deep physical mismatch is a useful mental picture, and it can be a fruitful source of simplified examples, but we don't think it's very likely. We can also imagine a mismatch where AI systems use higher-level abstractions that humans lack, and are able to make predictions about observables without ever thinking about lower-level abstractions that are important to humans. For example, we might imagine an AI making long-term predictions based on alien principles about memes and sociology that don't even reference the preferences or beliefs of individual humans. Of course, it is possible to translate those principles into predictions about individual humans, and indeed, this AI ought to make good predictions about what individual humans say. But if the underlying ontology is very different we are at risk of learning the human simulator instead of the real, in quotes, mapping. Overall, we are by far most worried about deeply messy, in quotes, mismatches that can't be cleanly described as higher or lower level abstractions, or even what a human would recognise as abstractions at all. We could try to tell abstract stories about what a messy mismatch might look like, or make arguments about why it may be plausible, but it seems easier to illustrate by thinking concretely about existing ML systems. For example... If we look at the internal behaviour of a large language model, we see some structures and computations we can recognise, but also quite a lot we can't. It is certainly possible that these models mostly think in terms of the same concepts as humans, and we just need to figure them out, but at this point it also seems possible that they do at least some of their thinking in ways that are quite alien, and that may not have short explanations. And it also seems possible that they will become less comprehensible rather than more, as they reach and surpass human abilities. If so, then we can certainly get predictions out of these models, but it will become increasingly unclear whether they are using words to directly explain their own beliefs, or to simply make predictions about what a human would say. Heading. Relationship between ontology identification and ELK. To solve ELK in general, we need to confront learned predictors that are more complex than inference in an unfamiliar Bayes net. For example, our predictors might do learned learning, in order to build faster models of key parts of the world, or might learn goal-directed heuristics or inference or reasoning. They might involve internal competition and selection. They might integrate cognitive behaviours they observe in their environment, or so on. We very tentatively think of ELK as having two key difficulties, ontology identification and learned optimization. We have a rough hope for handling learned optimization based on imitative generalization and recursively applying ELK to the learned optimizer. We discuss this hope in the appendix, Learned Optimizers. We don't think these two difficulties can be very precisely distinguished. They're more like genres of counterexamples. And we don't think learned optimization in quotes is necessarily a precise concept. We are fairly sceptical of any research that tries to assume that one of these problems is solved in order to focus on the other, because we think it is likely for key difficulties to slip through the conceptual cracks. It is very hard to know whether our approach to learned optimizers will work, and whether there are further hard cases, before having a clear picture of the ontology identification. So we are currently very uncertain about whether ontology identification represents 50% or 5% of the remaining difficulty of ELK. Paul's journey to being interested in ontology identification started from considering the more ominous failure case, where gradient descent produces a competent consequentialist. This led to considering approaches based on imitative generalization that try to learn what the agent knows, in quotes, 
instead of learning the agent itself. Ontology identification emerged as the most obvious core difficulty for this approach. If the agent cares about something that is simple in terms of its own model, like observations, then even humans who have that model cannot use it productively or understand whether the agent's proposed actions are dangerous. Audio note, this is the end of the excerpt included in the AGI Safety Fundamentals course reading list. You can check out the rest of the paper at the link in the episode description. This was an audio version of Eliciting Latent Knowledge, How to Tell If Your Eyes Deceive You, by Paul Cristiano, Ajaya Kotra, and Mark Shu from the Alignment Research Center, published in December 2021. It's one of the core readings for the AGI Safety Fundamentals course. This reading was by Perrin Walker and produced by Type 3 Audio.